Jim Sammons here. Welcome to the Kayak Fishing Show Live, as always, brought to you by Alice Point Brewing Company. Today, we're having a Fathom IPA. It's very hot here in San Diego again today. Very windy. I don't know if you've paid any attention to that, but a lot of high winds, fires up in LA. Luckily, nothing down here in San Diego so far. So we're all good, but uh, you know, our best to anybody who is in those fire danger areas and all you idiots who like to start fires, keep your freaking lighter in your pants, huh? We don't need anybody starting a fire for their own enjoyment. So anyway, um, a couple of things before we get to our guest. Uh, first off, cheers. Happy Friday. Um, I posted up this the other day. I uh, got a couple some new items because we are going to be starting to shoot some episodes really soon. So some new Seaguar uh, fluorocarbon came in. Of course, love the new gold label, particularly for those line shy fish. You know, uh, it's a smaller diameter. So not only just fluorocarbon, but even smaller. So, uh, you know, those picky fish that want that light line, like the, the tuna out here that have only been hitting like 15 and 20 pound tests. That's a great one. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, if you're used to seeing the uh, Seaguar Fluoro Premier, uh, they've changed the label on it now. It used to be blue. I guess that's so there is no confusion between the old blue label and the Premier. So now the Fluoro Premier has that lime green. It's also cool. This is in a 50-yard spool instead of the old smaller spool. So pretty stoked on that. The other thing uh, I posted about that I wanted to share with you, I got a new paddle. And... This is the Werner Cypress uh, hooked edition. That's what has a little fishy on it. Um, the cool thing about this foam core blade. So, I mean, the, between the Callista and this one, there, there's really no paddle like them. Uh, some people ask me why I switched over to the Cypress because I historically have used the Callista. Uh, let me see. Let me grab this other blade. So, drop my earphones. Very professional deal here um so here is the God, i don't even have enough room to do this here is the cypress blade and this is the same blade as the callista this one i can't even get far enough away to show this um the uh Kamano or callista blade is much longer narrower for a low angle paddler which i am but with the um higher seats or stand-up paddling like we do with the uh, the blue sky and a lot of these wider boats. I wanted to go with a more of a high angle paddle. So for those boats, I now have uh, the ideal paddle and that is the Cypress. If you have not paddled with a Callista or the Cypress, there's no paddles that can touch them. I guarantee you, you will never paddle with a better paddle than these Warner paddles. I'm going to put my earplugs in correctly because they were backwards and turn off my phone because it's buzzing over here. So um, my guest, honestly, in San Diego, he needs no introduction. This guy is, I mean, he's a legend in San Diego. He is the, uh, the face of Catalina Offshore Products. I mean, really the driving force behind him. He is uh, the starter of Collaboration Kitchen, which we're going to talk about. Uh, the inventor of uni goop and uni butter, which is a fish attractant for your lures. Um, he does so much charity work. He's one of the hardest working, busiest guys 
He's probably been in every restaurant in San Diego. He is Tommy the Fishmonger, Tommy Gomes. Let's bring him on up here. My friend, Tommy Gomes. How are you, Tommy? Finally made it. <laughs> how was that introduction? That was good. You read it right off the list Rebecca sent you. Uh, well, I wrote, I wrote some other stuff. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, we, uh, I put the comments there. I mean, thankfully you were brought to us with the help of, uh, Catalina offshore C deck. Um, I said, I put the comments in, in the very beginning of this, uh, of everybody who has helped us. Uni goop, um, blue seas, uh, fabrication. Is that, yeah. I, did I say that right? Yeah. It's yeah. been a fun ride. Yeah, and we both have that sea deck from Blue Seas on our boats. Uh, amazing stuff. But I mean, you are, are, are kind of tied in with all these guys because everybody in this town respects you. I actually had a picture up and I accidentally dropped it. So now I can't bring it up. From back in the day, uh -oh. you working on a commercial boat. I mean, you've been in this industry basically your whole life, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a great life, you know. Um Brought up in a Portuguese tuna fishing family. I was lucky enough to fish with my uncles and my brothers and fish all over the world and, and uh, work and run sport boats and get involved in the sport fishing industry. You know, I had a little bit of a, a break there <laughs> in the <laughs> 90s. Um, came back and started working at Catalina and started moving forward and making tracks and laying some road down, man, and seeing what's going on and you know, talk about sustainable seafood, talk about what to do, utilization of a whole fish and try and bring everybody together. You know, the sport fishing guys, the commercial guys, recreational guys. It, it, it's kind of cool uh, being a, on the South Coast study region for the uh, MLPA there when we were all going through that oh, battle. Yeah, right. <laughs> that? I have totally blocked all that out of my head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. But um you know, we're still fishing. Everybody's still having fun. Uh, don't really get outside the bay much anymore. I'm kind of locked into that South Bay of San Diego for some reason. I yeah, I was looking for you out there the other day. Um, yeah. My wife and I were out on the bay, and uh, I, I saw you had posted you were out there. Yeah. So we, we were kind of looking for you, but uh, actually went up and said hello to somebody from a distance that I thought was you. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm not Tommy, because my eyes are so bad I couldn't really tell. I just saw uh, uh, Couple we're of guys usually, on a small bass boat. We're usually way, way in the back, and and uh, I got a Lun. I had Lun uh, build a custom layout for my dad before my dad passed. He got sick and he couldn't stand up, so I kind of designed a Lun a certain way for older gentlemen uh, to go fishing. And I and to this day, we're taking um, one of uh, Ed Reese's fishing buddies with us still. Oh, wow. Wow. And he, again, as kind of a Southern California legend, old Ed Reese. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can still see his articles in Pacific Coast sports fishing every week or every month. Looking, yeah. Looking, looking astern. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Tommy, um, uh, first of all, I want to check in with some people who have said hello. Egowitz, my good friend. So what you may not know, Tommy, is I know you are known in San Diego, but our show gets seen nationally. Yeah, and internationally, my buddy Egowitz right there is actually in Spain. Nice. So, hey, Egowitz, how you doing, man? Uh, Reginald, thanks for joining. Frog lid, <laughs> how's it going, man? Uh, Christian, uh, love the show and love shore kayak fishing. Awesome, man. Um, 
Oh, Dave Hansen, make sure you hold it the correct way. He's talking about my paddle because I always get on people for holding the paddle <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I love Dave. Michelle, how you doing? That Michelle works. Michelle works with me and uh, is help has helped me out immensely throughout the last eight nine years with Collaboration Kitchen and raising money for kids. Oh, that's that's awesome. Uh, Tron. Train? No, train, train. Now I'm in trouble because that's my girlfriend out. She's opening a, turning a restaurant around out in St. Paul. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we can get into the whole restaurant stuff. I mean, you spent, like I said, you've probably been in every restaurant in San Diego. There's some good ones. We're not that bad. <laughs> Jacques, how you doing? That's my riding partner for awesome. motorcycles. And Marie... Just skip that one. Marie Daniels, just move to the next one. Don't worry about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says, hey there, Tommy Gomes. Um, so anyway, Tommy, I, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring you on, actually, I mean, I, I've, we've talked about you doing a show with us for quite a while, and things just never timed up. I mean, yeah. because you are so involved in in the fishing industry here locally, uh, your your passion for uh, st sustainable fishing and fishery practices, um, your your whole deal on um, utilizing different fish sources such as the opa and I'm actually I got to bring that one up because this video has been seen just a ton of times, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Jen, we'll do, we won't show the whole thing. Um, Again, get over here. You know, it, it, it's a wonderful fish. It's a great species, uh, completely underutilized, like most fish in industrialized nations. Um, so we really need to take a, a quick, not a quick look. We need to take a good hard look at what's going on with our oceans and our seafood. Right, and like I said, I mean, I never thought of of, of this fish. I always thought it was a cool looking fish, but I didn't know it as a food source. And then going down to uh, Catalina, and you're always doing samples and um, demonstrations of dish, different cooking techniques. I mean, if people haven't been to Catalina, if you're in San Diego and you haven't been to Catalina Offshore Products, you got to go in there. And and believe me, it has come such a long way. Um, since when I first started going in there, uh, you know, basically you're walking yeah. into a seafood market for restaurants. You had to put on your hairnet and you had to do all that close toe shoes. Yeah, and man. Now it's, it's a true, it, it's really caters to not only the restaurants and every good restaurant in San Diego. And I must admit because of you, if I go into a seafood place, cause I, you know, I catch fish. I, I don't often right. go out for seafood, but when I do, Every single time I ask, where did you get this? Yeah, because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, our foods, I, people hear me say this all the time, and our food sources are changing dramatically. Uh, food's not what it used to be like when you and I were kids. And our population's growing, our planet's getting smaller, and we're looking at other ways to feed the masses. And that's what it is, is we have to feed the masses. And we have to ask ourselves, is it healthy? I mean, our cancer's up, uh, we're fat, lethargic, diabetic, overweight, cancer's up, all of this stuff is up. So all these additives and all this food by better chemistry, uh, is it really better for us? But we do need to feed the masses. So 
we need to start making a more conscious decision on what we're putting in your body. And what I mean by that is I say this all the time is if you have the brand new 2020 Corvette and you pull up to the gas station, especially here in Southern California, where it's almost $5 a gallon for 89, 89 octane. Um, you don't go and get, that 89 octane to put in your new Corvette because it's going to run shitty. So stop putting shitty food in your, in your body. Right. And, and you look at some of the stuff. Um, I mean, comparatively, like my wife, uh, she loves to go to the uh, ranch 99. She likes to go to the Asian markets, which have some spectacular stuff. Right. But if you look at their Sioux food, <laughs> After going into your place where everything, you know, at Catalina Offshore, and I shouldn't say your place, but where you've been the face of, but yeah. um, comparatively speaking, you know, the 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 freshness, the the nice clear eyes, and that's always a great indicator, right? See, and we're used to it coming out of the water. Those of us that are fishing, whether it's freshwater, saltwater, rivers, streams, ponds, lakes, whatever it is, we're used to that fish coming out of the water and we know what it's supposed to be like. In the seafood game, unfortunately, this stuff doesn't get better with age. There's no such thing as a 90-day dry-aged white sea bass. You know, it just doesn't work. And so as that stuff starts, the minute it comes out of the water, that clock is ticking. That fish is deteriorating, and we got to move, move, move. You got to take care of it. You got to wash it. You got to pamper it. You got to take care of it. And every day, you're losing traction. So... It's kind of important to bring in the best quality and get it out to your customers because then they're going to come back to you. Right, right. And and Catalina Offshore, I mean, they not only – and I was looking at the website, and I'll bring that up here in a minute as well. Um, I mean, they ship all over, but you guys go to a great extent to make sure that is shipped properly. And uh, I was seeing yeah. like – abalone with oxygen and, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we're shipping stuff all over the world here at Catalina. Um, we have live farmed abalone coming out of Baja. They're little tiny things, you know, they're maybe about that big around. Um, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, during the season, we have live on the sweet shrimp and or spotted prawns, better known as lingcod bait for guys like you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was that was a treat going in there. Uh, my wife and I went in, uh, and you handed us some of the fresh local spot prawns. Yeah, live. I mean, with the row on them. I mean, yeah, that row is unbelievable. Oh. It's like a starburst fruit chew just popping off in your mouth. Uh, absolutely amazing. And you know what, Tommy? Um, I saw you posted something the other day and, and you learn something all the time. And that's why I love following your posts. Uh, and I think you had shared a post from somebody else and it was all about tuna and tuna in restaurants uh, where you will see it, where it's that bright red kind of pink instead of what we're used to seeing when we cut it off a fish where it's that yeah. almost burgundy. Uh, can you, can you touch on that a little bit? So people understand, you know, what the difference between what a tuna fresh cut tuna should look like versus what you're seeing maybe in a restaurant or at a, a cheaper sushi restaurant that, that maybe isn't that. Yeah. Good seafood's not cheap. Cheap seafood's not good. There's no such thing as 50% off sushi. Something's wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
when you run into the gas tuna, that pink tuna, it's one color, it looks beautiful, and it stays that color for four or five, six days or more in the refrigerator, whereas you don't want that bright neon pink tuna because it's gassed. What you want is you want a natural tuna, which is a deep burgundy color, and it changes, it gets darker and darker and darker as it gets older, and then all of a sudden it starts to turn brown. And just because it turns brown doesn't mean that it's a bad piece of fish. It's as brown as a as a spare as that cup cover. Hold up your beer cover. Yeah. So tuna gets that brown, and you can actually take that piece of tuna and gas it and turn it bright pink. Better food by science, right? Right. So so the 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 thing is that pink tuna isn't necessarily old but it's not necessarily fresh. You just can't tell. Right. right. And, and so then they freeze it, they vacuum pack it, and then it goes out to grocery stores or lower in sushi bars. And, you know, there's no flavor. There's no texture. There's no really, it's a piece of protein. I don't even know if I want to call it protein. It's a piece of once was a great piece of fish. And now it's just a gassed piece of frozen tuna. Um, when there's other ways to cook that tuna, you can bake, a, the tuna doesn't have to be deep, dark, burgundy red and beautiful and delicious looking in order to make it delicious tasting. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh yeah, it does. But you can take a brown piece of tuna and you can bake it in the oven just like you would say a roast. If you got a 60 pound tuna and you take that top loin and you got a, uh, where am I at? Right there. And let's say you got a three pound roast on it. Let's see. Hold on. Let me see if I, there we go. If we, if we can get a three pound roast and slice it down the middle and pack it full of olive oil and garlic and some spices and put some potatoes and carrots, just like you would do a, a roast in the oven, then bake it. It's absolutely beautiful. Or you can steam it and make your own tuna salad. You don't necessarily need to make a bunch of canned tuna jars. You know, when you're making canned tuna, you right. can take two, three pounds of it and steam it and go ahead and mix it up with the mayonnaise. Or try and use a Japanese mayo, like a Kewpie mayo. It's just better for you. I think it's better tasting as well. Hmm. That's interesting. And yeah. I mean, another, uh, since we're talking tuna, uh, you've got your face on some cans of tuna. Uh, yeah. That stuff is absolutely amazing, particularly. Hold on. <laughs> I will. Um, last time we were in, my wife and I picked up some of the smoked. It was, there you uh, go. it made a great dip. Um, there it is, right there. There you go. Yeah. So other than the label, this was a great can of tuna. Okay. <laughs> um, San Diego, you've heard me talk about it. San Diego was once the big tuna capital of the world. It's now down in Malta, Ecuador is the biggest tuna fleet in the world. Um, <clears throat> a lot of our guys are down there uh running boats but here in san diego everybody was here ralston perina aj hines checkerboard square bumblebee star kiss top wave everybody was here there was over a hundred thousand jobs i remember driving down uh down the the five south when i was younger and you'd go past was it bumblebee that was down there uh down kind of ib yeah um, and just like man you'd see the steam coming out of that place and the smell and <laughs> i like money yeah <laughs> 
but that, I mean, obviously that has changed a lot. I mean, the, I mean, the whole Point Loma area being the heart of tuna fishing, Shelter Island with that awesome, awesome uh, tribute to tuna fisherman statue. Uh, I mean, it, it's a great part of it. And I mean, you were, I mean, you saw it all, you, you, you know, with your dad and I was, I was very, yeah, I was, I was very blessed to be part of that. Um, and I, you know, here at, at Catalina, we have the retail shop and it has a lot of the memorabilia in it. So when the old timers come in and the videos are playing and they see those old boats from the twenties and thirties and forties, and they remember those boats, you know, it's, it's a special moment in, in history and time when, when uh, we can talk to our old guys about how it used to be. And that, that's like us. We're going to be those guys. So. Yeah. I'll be talking about kayak fishing. Oh, and, and I always enjoy, uh, whether it's on your Tommy the Fishmonger page uh, or your own person, you, you, are, you post a lot of historic photos, a lot of the, of the tuna industry. Um, I always enjoy not only the photos, but your comments about them. So, you know, kind of learn about that history. It's always been, it's always been a lot of fun for me to look at those. Um, uh, you know, actually one of the things that I always liked, uh, and you, I'm sure you've seen it was old Michael Folk's video, the tribute yeah. tuna. Um, yeah. if that thing's still around anywhere, if people want to know about the history of, uh, um, of tuna fishing, that, that one was a pretty cool one. I've actually got, um, some of that original footage and I've got footage from the late twenties and thirties all the way up to present day, uh, old black and white. There's some seaplanes coming into San Diego and landing right out in front of where the, where shelter Island is now. And the planes are landing there and there's the bait boats, the guys that were fishing from the racks with bamboo poles, they're hauling nets in right there and everything. It's super cool. And there's, there's no skyline. And then That's later crazy. on, was a couple decades later, later on, there's this huge building in the skyline and you can't figure it out. And, and as the, as the angle changes on the camera, you can figure out that this giant building downtown is actually the El Cortez hotel. I was going to say the El Cortez. <laughs> My high school prom was at the El Cortez. Oh, oh, I got a better sunburn. You ready? Yeah. I used to play. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I used to play in a 120-piece accordion orchestra, <laughs> accordion orchestra at the El Cortez Hotel when I was a little kid. Oh, that's awesome. Quiet, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the hotel was new, right? Yeah, brand new. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I, all the photos I've ever seen of you were uh, on Saners. Uh, yeah. right? um, did you ever do that jack pulling uh, in the racks? Did you ever do we that? Did, you know, my father made us all come up through the ranks. And so we had to make a couple trips with guys like Bobby Pringle and, and uh, those old guys. Um, and my dad and my uncles were all the kind of the same. They, they made you know every job on the boat from the engine room all the way up to the pilot house and everything in between. And, and you had to do a stint in the galley, meaning you had to make a trip on the boat as the galley cook so you could understand what that position actually entailed because it's not just cooking. He's more like the mailman and the post office is the pilot house because the cook hears everything and he has to figure out what's important, what kind of mail is important to deliver to the pilot house 
And which one is just bullshit that you don't have to worry about? <laughs> that's that's really interesting. I mean, um, and, and so important. And you just don't see that anymore. Like you said, guys want to start off as captain. They don't want to have to, you know, start off scrubbing the deck. Everybody wants to do captain shit until it's time to do captain shit. And then nobody wants to do it. You know, um, times are definitely changing. You know, uh, there's some good rules and regulations that are coming up as far as maritime goes on a global scale. So that that's better for everybody involved. Um, there's still no, none better than the American licensed captains uh, and their captain, their license is good all over the world where it's not like that. If you were from, you know, Panama or Ecuador or Southeast Asia, you can't run an American flag vessel as the captain or you can't, can't be the paper holder. Ah. So, you know, you, you got to have an American paper holder on a boat. And if you have an American paper holder on a foreign boat, for some reason, your insurance is cheaper. What's that tell you? Uh, it's, things are backwards. Things are backwards <laughs> sometimes, man. Uh, we got a couple of people want to say hello. Uh, Mike McKenna. Uh, how you doing, man? Hey, Mike. Uh, I don't know if you know this guy. I don't know what Kloppins. <laughs> I guess he's trying to say clowns. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> he obviously yeah. can't type. <laughs> our buddy Ken, our buddy uh, Ken is awesome, and uh, of course from Sea uh, Deck and um, Blue Seas Fabrication, which uh, did my kayak and our boats. Um, sir, you know, he's, he's going to do uh, he's going to do my '55 Ford truck, the interior. Oh, really? Yeah, very cool. I actually thought about doing it on the uh, inside walls of my uh, Sprinter. Yes. Just to keep, because the, it's, I mean, it's one thin layer. So just give it that protection from storing stuff in there. Yeah. And then it won't dent the outside of it. Right. Right. I mean, it's such great stuff. Um, so like I said, sir, just saying hello from Ottawa. Um, Egowitz again, very interesting speech. Tommy. Uh, yeah. Tommy has great speeches. He's, he's very entertaining to listen to. Um, <laughs> you got to make up for it because of my looks. <laughs> I, I got to find that picture of you all from, <laughs> uh, is, on the. Uh, is it? Am I standing on the back end of the boat in those super short dolphin shorts? No, it's not that one. But you're okay. holding, holding up a fish, but you had quite a bit of hair, a little more than you have now. I got a five head now. I used to have a four <laughs> head and a three head. Hey, we've got a question actually from Richard Martin. What's the best way to keep fish fresh when doing multi-day kayak trips in Baja, etc.? Hole on ice in a kill bag or processed on the shore and vacuum sealed in the ice chest. How long will it last? Feel free to mention specific fish and how you want to eat it like sheep's head or ceviche and blah, blah, blah. You know, this is the way that the Pongettos do it. And they've been doing it like this for years. You go ahead and, and gut it and gill it, gill and gut it. And because they don't have a lot of ice machines down there, they use the kelp. And the kelp actually reflects the heat from the sun. Um, so it keeps it fresher and then they just keep splashing water on it. But if you got ice, use that as well. And if there's newspapers, you can wrap it in a newspaper. Once it's gutted and gilled, wrap it in newspaper, go ahead and put it, pack it down in ice. Just keep it out of the water because the newspaper will get wet and shred. Or you can wrap them in the newspaper and use the, the big kelp leaves. That stuff works well. I don't understand, uh, why more people don't use it. 
Oh, we used to do that in our kayaks all the time. You catch a yellowtail and throw it on the yeah. back of your kayak and just cover it with kelp. Pull them up. Yeah, yeah. That, that works really well. Um, I'm, I'm, but obviously for a multi-day, you know, obviously if you can, once you're on shore, fillet it up, semi-vacuum pack it, even if it's under water pressure works pretty well. Oh, Have yeah. Good cooler. And I will say, and I know you know this, I mean, any fish I catch, any fish I catch, I bleed. If I'm keeping it, I bleed it. Yeah, it's important to bleed your fish. And there's so much information out there. And I got to tell you that most, I'd say 90 plus percent of the information that's out there on how to keep fish fresh is good information. Um, because we're, we're, it's funny, our, us outdoor people is, we're trying to preserve the, the stock. We're not trying to waste it, you know. Um, it, it, it's just really weird how we all bond together on a global scale when it comes to sport fishing harvesting and keeping keeping care of that well yeah and, and you know fishermen hunters they they get hit the hardest by a lot of people who just don't know when yeah. we're the ones who actually love that resource so we're the ones who use that resource so we're the ones who want to take care of that resource and sure, nobody there are some bad apples out there mike long um but you know that that can ruin it for everybody but <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right and so um i was fishing in the south bay again every sunday and i got a fish on the side and my buddy jim you know jim he's, we've been fishing together for years mike's uh jim says oh you longed him and i went what <laughs> goes, yeah you mike longed him because <laughs> i had snagged him in the side <laughs> Uh, anybody who isn't aware, look up Mike Long bass fishing, and that's all you'll you'll understand the rest of it. Um, we uh, you got a nice little heart, Tommy. She threw a heart up for you. Oh, that's my girlfriend. Um, Ina Johans is my very good friend. Her and her husband Ulf from Sweden. Nice. Um, Michael Holnig, man with a pan, Ken. <laughs> yeah course uh how you doing uh gene price thanks for stopping by and joseph french hi from michigan how Red Wings. bring back the 90s <laughs> and rebecca's waving back at ken i assume <laughs> yeah so uh, tell me um you know we talked a little bit about uh catalina offshore um you're also the driving force, a starter, I believe, of Collaboration Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, which I've been to several of those events, which are absolutely awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about Collaboration Kitchen? So what it was, was I, I started Collaboration Kitchen because I wanted to teach people not to be scared of seafood. Seafood's pretty easy to cook once you start learning how to do it. I mean, it's relatively simple. I mean, if you and I can do it, anybody can do it, you know? Well, and that's it. It always amazed me when people go, uh, you know, I, I don't like fish. And most people I know that say they don't like fish have never had good fish. You know, they've right. got the, the frozen block of cod, you know, from Safeway that their mom yeah. cooked in milk or something. You yeah. Know, it's They've never had good fish and it, it does make such a difference. And so... I kept bugging Dave, Rudy, the founder and president of Catalina, man, I want to do these cooking classes. I want to do these cooking classes. And finally he says, okay, okay, you have five days to put it together. 
And I was like, oh, five days. <laughs> so I called in some, some marks. I called in a bunch of food writers. I got my buddy Ken involved. Uh, Rebecca's husband got a couple more friends involved. A uh, good friend of ours, Fossil, and he came in and we had no clue what we were doing. Still don't, but it's working. So we did it and it ran for seven, eight years. We raised a lot of money for kids and charitable donations in and around the city of San Diego. Um, it was a great run. We're going to be bringing it back. Hopefully it's coming back next year. No, can't put it in concrete yet, but it's been talked about. Um, so, you know, it's going to be one of those things where we can, uh, we can bring 30, 40 people together, sell some tickets and raise some money. The quickest one we did was, you know, the Baja food scene is huge. You know, you got Javier Placentia down there. You got Drew Deckman, Diego Hernandez. You got, you know, Flor Franco here in San Diego. Isabel Cruz, they're, they're cranking out some great food. And long before that Baja scene popped up, we did a collaboration kitchen here. And 120 tickets sold out in eight minutes. That was crazy. That's amazing. And we had another one sell out in five minutes. And guys like, um, I know you're worldwide, but guys like Sam, the cooking guy, he comes in and does them for us. And, you know, they sell out and we raise a bunch of money and we give away, you know, $5,000 an event. And it's kind of cool. No, they, they are. I mean, if they do come back, um, I mean, my wife and I have been to a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, even if I couldn't go, my wife and her sister would go. Uh, I mean, these things are educational they're entertaining yeah you leave there full oh yeah you're not getting a burrito on the way home no it's not like a little tiny sample you get i mean it's it's a 10 course meal i mean it, it, you get so much food and so much education and i mean they are a great time i i really hope that those do come back yeah it's 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 on the it's on the uh it's on the list. It didn't make the cutting the cutting room floor. It's it's still on the list. Uh, so those are, those well, are I mean, this kind of brings up a, another thing. I mean, I know, like I said, we keep saying you've been the the face of Catalina Offshore products for such a long time, but you recently announced that you were kind of leaving the day to day operations uh, to concentrate on your own brand, Fish Tommy the Fishmonger. Uh, as well as uni butter and other project. What actually are you doing, man? What what is your what is your can or can you even share? What is your grand plan here? <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're still here. Um, Dave and I are very good friends. You know, I've been here for 15 years. Um, just not going to be heavily involved in the day-to-day -day operations, still going to be a liaison, still going to you know, talk to the chefs and offer Fish 101 classes and things like that to educate and to promote Catalina. Um, I will be bringing back uni butter and uni goop, which is kind of cool. Um, as you know, the stuff actually does work, which is uh, very fun to be able to put together a product in your own hometown that works. And, and uh, we're going to offer um, events to where we can go in and we can talk to uh, corporate offices and things like that about what's going on with seafood, maybe offer some cooking demos and some, you know, light lunches and stuff like that, just to be able to um, get the word out. I was, the, the best way that it was put to me was that with my knowledge and everything, 
I was kind of stuck in this fish bubble in a fish bowl, and I need a bigger tank. Is what it is, <laughs> right? Right. No, so I, I need a bigger tank in order to educate, promote, and have fun, and let people know how important it is to eat our local or regional seafood. Um, we don't need to be eating this stuff that's being flown in from halfway around the world with no trace and trust. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how it was harvested. You know, we don't know anything. We know that it's processed in some place on the other side of the world. We don't know if it's even really true what, you know, if it really is a sea bass or the best one ever is if it's really a, a catfish. Well, of course it is. It's just a catfish raised in the Mekong Delta. <laughs> I remember that little thing we had in the 60s and 70s over there, you know, little southeast conflict, and, and that, that river wasn't the greatest, and it's still not the greatest as far as, you know, being a clean water environment to be raising fish in, and yet we are, and we're shipping that stuff over here. And it's it's the same thing, uh, you know, the swai, the tilapia, the shrimp that's being farmed, raised all over the world. We We don't need that, but we eat it because it's cheap and it's really amazes me that when you get down into it and you get into the game as deep as we are in the wholesale industry that you know the number one product sold to cruise lines is farmed shrimp and that stuff's coming from faraway lands and it's so cheap that you often wonder you know I say it all the time, good seafood's not cheap, cheap seafood's not good. In this case, with cheap shrimp, trust me, Jim, somebody down the line has paid for that shrimp, whether it's enslaved labor or it's just a black marketed product or something like that. Somebody down the line has paid for that shrimp. Right. Um, what is, I mean, it, you, you see it all the time and it blows me away. Um, you know, you go into a restaurant and they're, fish of the day is tilapia. Um, yeah. You know, what's your feelings on tilapia? Do you have tilapia at Catalina Offshore? No. <laughs> no, we have, we have one filet that comes vacuum packed and we know where it comes from and it's a good product. One little filet for sushi. People want to eat that stuff, you know? Um, I, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, just no. I mean, that, that fish, it doesn't matter how you cook it, Jim, that fish will not even make a good turd. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you, you think it would because that's what it makes its living doing is eating yeah. turds. Oh, it'll go through you, but <laughs> it's not a good turd. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, this actually brings up a, a, another question from uh, Fisherman23. Tommy, do you think these ocean fish farms are effective or or what are your thoughts on, on farmed fish? So, we again, farmed fish isn't going anywhere, bro. It's here. It's not going anywhere. So it's up to the, us as the human species to make sure that it's done right. So too big, we have problems. Too big, the fish are packed in these pens and they rub up against each other and pretty soon they have lesions. So now we're going to pump them full of antibiotics that not a, that are not approved by the FDA. And then where are we going to ship them to? Good old USA. Right. And that stuff gets shipped up here. And then you have, you know, what are they feeding them? 
Are they feeding them beef, chicken, and pork byproducts? Is there a pig blood in there? Because if you don't eat beef, chicken, or pork because of health or religious reasons, then why are you eating that fish? That's just a couple of things. Now we have ocean acidification, you know, with the fecal matter. But not only the fecal matter of the fish, what about the pinniped and the seal population and the and the, the bird population landing on the on the outer edge of the fish farms and they're pooping in the water too and all of that stuff sinks out and now we're killing the bottom now we got soot on the bottom of the ocean and then what grows in there are the oh, those big giant gnarly worms and i wonder if you could pin those on a hook those big worms <laughs> I, right? uh, so they gross me out farm fish is here to stay there's some great farm fish one of them is saiku salmon up in uh, new zealand some of the the first green rated salmon, Catalina Offshore, and I'm not saying this because what Catalina Offshore did. I'm saying it because it's the truth. Um, we will, <clears throat> we were the first ones to carry this Saiku salmon out of New Zealand, and then it got a green rating. So it's pretty cool. Um, there is a lot of great farmed fish out there right here in our own hometown, Jim, over there where the Atlantis restaurant used to be at over there at SeaWorld there right. uh, with, uh, you know, they got the white sea bass, they got the halibut, they got the yellowtail in there. We ate some of the yellowtail, actually cut it up. And, you know, when I was cutting it, there were certain things that I looked for, you know, one being, I want to see the fat on the blade. I don't want to see the oil. I want to see the fat. Fat is flavor, oil, not so much. You want a fatty fish as opposed to an oil fish. Hmm. Um, you want to see the density of the meat, not the density of the flake, but the meat itself. You know, you want that the meat is in between the flakes. You want to see that. And then you want to see the silver skin that lays in between the flakes of, of meat, that muscle tissue and stuff. And then with the other one was um, the skin itself, you know, Yellowtail's got a fairly thick skin. You know that. Right. Uh, you're not going to fry it up and make a chicharroni out of it or use it as a chip for ceviche like you can rock cod or white sea bass. Or, but um, that farmed yellowtail that's coming out of that area here at uh, where SeaWorld is, is a decent product. And they're doing it right. So now we're going to go all the way back to the question. Is, how many pounds of fish, how many pounds of our bait fish does it take to make one pound? Ten. All right. Ten. Okay. So even though we're creating jobs for, and I'm talking about, <clears throat> let's say, Mag Bay, Turtle Bay area and that zone. Okay. You've been down there. Mm -hmm. Baja, Pacific side, Baja, middle of the area. Um, you get those little persaners going in there. Yeah, they're working all year now. You know, but they're catching sardines, they're catching the sours, they're catching mackerel, they're catching anchovies, they're putting them on the boat. And it's almost like the reduction fishing of the 70s, uh, where we were turning everything into fertilizer. Oh, fish fertilizer, it's the greatest thing. And this is the same thing that's happening is we're actually pulverizing our bait fish, our intercoastal bait fish, say within the 500 fathom curve of Baja. Anything right. on the inside of that is just getting harvested to extinction. And now that's going to, uh, it's going to disrupt the migration of that fish coming up the line. Okay. There, 
there's no more bait. They're going to go to the outside. They're going to swing to the outside. And then what happens out there is they get caught up on a fad or a kelp patty or a floating log. And now they're going to drift with that. And as the currents change, that fish sooner or later, that whole migration pattern is going to change. I, I can get into it real heavy, but no, that, no, that totally makes sense. And, and what I, I I've always said is people don't seem to understand is you cannot remove the apex predators the largest thing on the food chain, but you certainly can't remove the lowest thing on the food chain, you know, because so, it's. Yeah. And so that, that brings me to this one is, is yeah. big fish eat the small fish. How come we don't eat the small fish? Why are we over harvesting these anchovies, sardines and mackerel to make, to grow bluefin tuna or a, another species to get shipped overseas? Um, I mean, I'm sure you do this when you're making bait and you're catching greenback mackerel and you get a couple of those Spanish mackerel. I know I take the Spanish mackerel home because they're delicious. I'm not going to fish them. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I still fish them because they still catch yellowtail and white sea bass. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I've, I've never actually eaten one, but I've heard a lot of people say the, uh, as what we always call them, Spanish mackerel, but they're actually a jack mackerel. Yeah, I've been I've been going down to Shelter Island Pier just to go down there, hang out at Fathom's uh, Bistro down there, uh, just to watch what's going on. And and I lost touch of the anglers out there that actually fish every day for substance. Smelt the pier fishermen. Yeah. They've got their little bait net down there. They're throwing the breadcrumbs. The smelt come in. They're bringing it up. They got a bucket full of smelt. They got some mackerel in there. Grandma, grandpa's over at the water station. H and G in that fish. They got them stacked up like cordwood. I mean, it, it really gets you thinking, wow, that's cool stuff. And so let's say we go out and we're outside. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're fishing. Because we all catch those little pound and a half, right? Pound, pound and a quarter, half pound fish, right? And you throw them over and they don't make it. But we should be eating those. We should learn how to eat and cook the whole fish. We should cook the whole fish. Utilization of the whole fish is very important. When we started selling yellowtail collars, I, I learned that from you, Tommy. We uh, had to. We had to educate people on, you know, all I really had to do was I got, you know, I got my buddy Ken, man with a pan. I go, hey, man, let's do this. And he's like, okay. I got a couple other buddies. My buddy Chris Logan, <clears throat> very talented chef, uh, started cooking these up. And I was showing people how to do it. And I'm like, you know, this is the best part of the fish for me. I want you to try it. And that brings people together, see. That food, food brings people together. You know that. You fish all over the world. Oh, yeah. Your show's well known all over the world. And everywhere you go, the first thing people offer you is food. It's the it's the universal language of welcome, my friend. We love you. Have something to eat. Join us. Right. Right. So if we can educate people on more seafood, good quality seafood then things are going to get better. 
And if we can teach people how to utilize the whole fish, then we don't need to kill a whole bunch of fish. See, here in America, right. you want here in America, we want uh, first off, our food system sucks here. It just sucks. You know, we're we're great, but you know, we suck the best in some things. Uh, <laughs> We want that four-ounce piece of fish, bloodline out, skin off, no bones, and we don't want it to taste like fish. Go get a piece of chicken, right? <laughs> right. Fish is going to taste fit like fish, but it's not supposed to taste fishy. See? So we just got to keep – we got to stay in the forefront, Jim. And yeah. I mean by we, I mean all of us, from – from Bill Dance to Dan Hernandez to you to me to Scott Layset to all these guys that we know in the industry, we need to stay in the forefront to talk about how important that half-pound fish is, how important that two-pound fish is, um, and move on and move forward and educate each other. And most importantly is educate the kids. We talked about it before the show. There's a whole new set of groms coming in this game, and it's super cool because I think they're phasing out the video games. You know, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like the meme. You know, we need more tackle boxes, not more Xboxes, and That's kids true. are starting to catch on to it. Hey, uh, actually, our, our buddy uh, John Hopalong Cassidy <laughs> uh, says, "How many jobs are made with the blue fin pens?" Is there a worthwhile trade out if we impact our bait fish population? Um, I'm not really sure on the jobs. I know my dad and my uncle Johnny ran a, a purse aner, uh not that long ago, right? A couple of years before they both passed. Uh, and they, they were harvesting the bluefin. They had a quota that they were supposed to meet within three months. And it took those two guys three weeks. Uh, so that was the end of their season. And as far as the population of the bait fish being impacted, we just touched on that. Um, I yeah. think that it's going to be devastating. You know, that if it's 10 pounds of fish to, to make one pound of bait, then, you know, things like that, we need to seriously look out for. Um, no, I mean, I even saw it out on a much smaller scale, just down in the Sea of Cortez when I used to guide down there, the Pongeros and the boats down there, getting so much of the little sardinas and then they start wondering why aren't the rooster fish coming in near shore anymore? Cause you removed all the bait in this area. Right. See, you know, it just, it impacts the whole migratory zone of, of what's going on. Think right. of it. Think of it like the Buffalo bro. You know, I know you were around when they were across all the plains here. So you would <laughs> kind of stepped right in like that buffalo from horseback, Tommy. <laughs> kind of stepped into that one, didn't I? <laughs> hey, uh, actually, uh, I scrolled past a net trial. Is there an online resource so you can check out good farmed fish? You know, yeah, there is, and and. I don't, I'm not 100% in agreement with everything they do, but Monterey Bay Aquarium has, has, the, has a list. Fish Watch has a list. Um, you know, you can Google the question and go on there and just kind of separate what's the good and what's the bad. Um, and it's unfortunate that the guys that are doing it right are small. 
they don't have the million dollar uh, package for PR like some of the bigger farms do. Some of the bigger farms have a lot of money for PR and marketing and stuff. So they put out these beautiful uh, commercials or infomercials, if you will, for those of us in the industry. And, and when you get right down to the nitty gritty and you ask them, you know, well, we'd like to know what you feed them. Oh, we, we don't want those. No, that's a secret. We don't talk about that. Really? I don't want your fish. <laughs> so um, we see a lot of it at the Boston Seafood Show, the North American Seafood Show. It's the largest seafood show for commercial fishermen. And there's row after row after row. And this is at the Boston Convention Center. It's huge, massive. There's row after row after row of all these foreign government subsidized fisheries and you you go over and you look and you see what they're eating and it's like well who who's buying this stuff of other foreign countries are see here in america we want a type of salmon you want a sea bass you want a halibut you want swordfish and you want a shrimp right that's what you see on menus and mahi mahi what about oh yeah my my what about all the rest see what about all the rest of the species see, we don't we don't think about that here in, in california there's so much good fish but we're being pushed to extinction the commercial fishermen they're being pushed to extinction they are the endangered species the recreational sport fishermen are on that list as well pretty soon the only thing you're going to be able to take are photos and we saw that happening during the MLPA. Yeah. It's kind of scary. We won't see it, but our kids' kids will see it. Right. So a couple things real quick. Uh, Joe, Joe said, Tommy, I found your video about how to cook yellowtail collar on the Sporting Chef uh, YouTube page. And again, I mentioned it, but I, 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 I mean, I've caught tons of yellowtail in my life. I mean, I love catching yellowtail and I was a take the fillet off, do the backstrap, you know, and uh, Hamachi, you know, all that. Never touched a collar until I learned about it from you. Uh, absolutely amazing. I did, a, I caught a bluefin a couple weeks ago. The bluefin oh, yeah. was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. so, so good. I mean, it's like now every fish is like, yep, yeah, that's, it is so amazingly good. Every fish, every fish has it. That bone right here that's hollow, that's got that most decadent piece of meat up in there. You pull that puppy out of there. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Absolutely amazing. Tommy, we're running short on time, but I really want to touch on really quick because I know it is coming up. Uh, you're going to be pushing it out more. We haven't really touched much on uni butter. Uh, can you just give us a quick, uh, you know, the history of it? What is it? You know, where are you pushing it? I mean, I see you're even wearing your Uni Butter shirt. So, what is Uni Butter? What was your uh, drive to get that going? Uh, we made it from a waste product that was getting thrown away from the sea urchin. I figured out a way to uh, to turn it, dehydrate it, and turn it into to something that will dissolve in an all natural thickening agent. And then I add some other essential oils to it. That's all natural. Um, it's 98% natural. I added DHT to it to retard the foam when I'm cooking it off and making everything dissolve and blend together. Um, 
still making it one bottle at a time. We're going to get some into your hands so you can give some to your listeners. Uh, five packs, two bottles per pack. So that'd be kind of cool. We're going to get it back back out there on the on the store shelves. We kind of took a little bit of break, uh, focus more on what's going on here at Catalina Offshore, and that's one of the reasons why. We're taking a step back a little bit. I want to focus on that. I want to focus more on uh, with Mike Lum and Scott Laseth and, and those guys at the Fred Hall Show. Um, I want to do some cooking demos up there, maybe do some corporate events as well, and just try and keep pushing the education side of it. Awesome. Awesome. So back to the uni butter real quick. I mean, it's a fish attractant. Uh, put it on your, your soft plastics, particularly works well. Uh, yeah. Particularly if there's a, uh, a slot in them at all, uh, lures with a, uh, a slot for a uh, fishing weedless hold it very well. Do, do many people use it uh, freshwater? Yeah, we're going to get to that. But what you do with this uni butter is you go ahead and you put it on your lure and you fire it out. And you let that scent get into that zone and the tide take it and you just keep fishing it. You don't have to reapply it all the time, maybe five to seven casts, depending on how warm the water is. Or if you're rolling through the grass, the grass will remove it. You know, um, funny you mentioned the freshwater was five years ago. I developed a freshwater largemouth bass uh, just for the largemouth bass fishery here. And uh, a couple of the guys that used it. Um, were amazed. Unfortunately, as you know, here in Southern California, <clears throat> thanks to Mike Long, uh, uh, trophy big mouth bass is no joke. I mean, there's a big money here. Uh, unfortunately, they were hitting that lure with such force that they were the treble hooks were getting stuck down in their gut. They weren't getting caught up here in the gill plate area and stuff. So kind of pulled it off and, and pulled it back a little bit and figured out a way to make it less. I know this is stupid, but to make it less of a reaction with the pheromones that kick off and to where the fish doesn't, it's still going to hit it. It's just not going to hit it with such force. I don't want to, I don't want to kill a bunch of double digit freshwater bass that get all wrapped up with treble hooks. That's, that's not my game. I don't all know right. if that makes sense. No, it totally does. It, uh, I, I, I totally get that. But we, uh, we, we figured out a way to make, um, here in Southern California, we figured out a way to make those largemouth bass go crazy. Well, the calico bass and the spotted bay bass certainly love the stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember watching uh, when you were just introducing it, watching the videos, you'd have a bag, your, your uni <laughs> bag, and it, just, just the calicos going nuts over that thing. Yeah, that was Dave Rudy. Dave Rudy, you know, I was like, Dave, you got to, just tie this on your anchor line when you go diving and video it. And he did. And they came out. It was like pop. I, we used to say it all the time. Popcorn in the park for pigeons, man. Put it in the water <laughs> and here they come. That is awesome. Tommy, um, I think we've got one more comment here. Let me take a look. Uh, where was it? I eat a whole lot of walleye out of Erie. Just I can't even say that lake and eat the collar every time. So walleye collar. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff, man. That's awesome. Tommy, uh, one hour has flown by. Wow. Uh, I got to get you back on here again, man. This was uh, this was super fun. I really appreciate it. And again, people who uh, want to find you, uh, it is Tommy the Fishmonger on Facebook. First off, Tommy, what exactly is a fishmonger? Uh, 
if you look it up, it's about the <laughs> it's the wife that took care of the fish while the husband was out at sea. <laughs> so I'm a, basically, I, I guess I'm a fish bitch. I don't know. <laughs> well, you guys can find Tommy at Tommy the Fishmonger on Facebook. Also, CatalinaOP.com is Catalina Offshore Products. Like I said, when I can't catch my own fish, that's the only place I will buy fish. Which is often. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I set myself up on that one. Tommy, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, I will see you soon, man. Hopefully out on the water. All right, buddy. Take care. Say hi to the family. See you later. I will. Take care. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that show. I sure did. Tommy's a great guy. Uh, just a, a world of information. I highly encourage you to follow Tommy um, and see what he is up to uh, with his uni goop and with everything else he's up to. I mean, just, just a great personality and a great resource. Uh, you know, and he's, I'm always seeing him answer all the questions on Facebook that people throw out there for, uh, to him. So, uh, you know, definitely follow Tommy. Anyway, uh, I hope you all have a good Friday and a good weekend. If you are going out on the water, please remember to wear your PFD and keep your paddle right side up. Take care. <laughs>